the cult. We own the night. July 27th at Meadowbrook Amphitheater. Special guests, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and Zola Jesus. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. The Cult. We own the night. Live. Well, my apologies if I keep looking at my phone. Hello. A fellow podcaster, Mr. Brad Rustovan, keeps texting me. He is actually, as we're recording this, he is at the Cult Show, mm-hmm. I'm sure in Michigan where he lives or maybe somewhere around there, and he is doing his pre-gaming, which is what his podcast, the Slamfest podcast, is all about. It's all about the pre-gaming and then talking about the show. So he has sure an amazing memory of lots of concerts. I can't fathom how he remembers all the details for all these concerts, but you said he keeps a spreadsheet. He does. He has yeah. a spreadsheet, spreadsheet of all the concerts he's been to with documentation and notes and yep. critiques and things like that. That's dedication right there. That's he's, badass. He's doing his basically chronicling his entire life of going to concerts. I don't know anybody One else that does that. episode at a time. I'm sure there is, but I don't know anybody else that's that dedicated to go and see a live music. That's really cool because because of that, we get good memories and good details of what concerts were like 15, 20 years ago. Exactly. So he just happens to be texting me because he one first thing he sent me was, give me a song I need something to play in my pregame mm-hmm. and so I sent him some stuff and then he said oh by the way look what I'm doing and he sends me a screenshot of our podcast and everything turns gray goth rock podcast where he is actually playing songs that we have played on our goth rock episodes as his mm-hmm. pregame for the cult it's good on you Brad <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Slam Fest podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pregaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So back to a real-time show I saw a couple weeks back, and I waited to record until now because I wanted to have a special guest on the episode, and he was on vacation for the last couple of weeks. This episode is going to revolve around the cult show I saw on July 27th, 2022 at Meadowbrook Amphitheater in Rochester Hills, Michigan. And to help me recap the show and discuss the cult, please welcome back to the show, Kevin Williams from In Obscuria Podcast. Kevin, what's up? What's up, Brad? How you doing, man? Hey, it's been a while since you've been on my show. It has I, was been. On your, I was on your show a few months back, the uh, the April Fool's <laughs> ACDC episode. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. We did a very <laughs> honest ACDC episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it just happened to be on April Fool's. That's all I was saying. It's just timing. <laughs> I mean, right? Right? So how are things at, in Obscuria? Man, we're just we're just going. We're just trucking along. We just keep going every week. It seems like. You know, we're going to run out of stuff to talk about, but no, I've got no, you so won't. many songs and so many yes. things to talk about. So it's like the mail. It'll never stop. It just keeps coming. Right. That's what <laughs> I, you know, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be junk mail. There you go. There you go. I like it. I like it. So as we do on these episodes, we get into like to get into the background of the bands on the bill. And there were three bands on this bill, but 
I only saw the Colt. I wasn't familiar with the other two. I've got. <laughs> if anybody would know who these other bands are, it would be you. So I guess I'll. I'll uh, let's talk about the Colt first, and then we'll talk about these other two bands that were on the bill. So, what's your history or background with the Colt? What's interesting because I was thinking about that when you were texting me about this, and I thought, you know, I'm going to sound like a complete Colt poser because. I should have been into the cult from, say, Love On, because that's when I got into music was around that time. And I did learn of the cult. I was introduced to them through Thrasher magazine. I was a little skate punk. I was a horrible skater, but I was all into the scene and the magazines and all that stuff. And call it 87. And I remember seeing the ad for Electric and thinking, that's weird. That guy's wearing like a Russian hat. I'm not so sure what that's all about. And... Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really get into them then. I didn't listen to it that much. I just knew who they were and knew of them. I didn't really know about them being sort of a goth thing. I, I probably would have explored it if I'd known that. I thought they were just some hard rock band, and yeah. so I just I didn't explore it. And then it was not until 1993, until my college roommate Blake Shaver, he is a cult fanatic, like you and I like Kiss. He is the cult. That, <laughs> okay. The cult is his kiss. If that, that'll put it in perspective for you. Yeah. So he was just absolutely crazy about the cult. And so I, there was no way I was not going to become a cult fan limit with that guy. So we, you know, it was kiss one day and cult the next. It was just always those two bands on our speakers. So that's nice. when I got into the cult. Nice. Have you seen them? I've actually seen them three times. Okay. So, okay. I've seen them uh, when they sort of got back together in the 90s. They took a little break. They got back together. They did some, not clubs, but kind of theater dates. And so I've seen them twice in the theater, late 90s, early 2000s. And then I saw them open for Guns N' Roses on the stadium tour. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. That's right. That's right. I forgot they opened some of those, uh, some of those GNR uh, shows. So, yeah, my background, I remember... I feel like I remember the She Sells Sanctuary video um, being on MTV, but I wasn't crazy about their fashion. I like the song, but <laughs> like you're talking the Russian hat. Um, I wasn't sure what was go what was going on there um, exactly. And then fast forward a couple of years, and I remember seeing the video for Love and Removal Machine, and they look different again right and that video is is hilarious because they you know duffy's walking on stage and flipping on all the marshall heads mm -hmm. as he's as he's walking across and the bass player looks up over at him there's kind of a funny intro to that but so that was straight ahead obviously rock and roll you know that they they kind of they kind of went through some different uh, some changes obviously they, they morphed yeah. quite a bit yeah <laughs> they did they did yeah. and then sonic temple obviously Obviously blew up and, and was huge uh, just as I was entering high school. I know we're about the same age. And then, but I never bought anything from them. I didn't even buy Sonic Temple, like, in real time. I, you know, I didn't get it. I was I was exposed to the hits and the, and the videos. But then mid-90s, mid to late-90s, I bought a compilation called High Octane. This is the same first album that I got. <laughs> I, I don't feel so, so bad now. I don't feel so bad. I thought, hey, oh, I'm going to be the poser. Because no. You know, so, and then I can remember, so late 90s, so this is probably when you saw them, when they reunited, but 
I saw something on MTV. There was a Tibetan freedom concert in Chicago or something, and they made a big deal about the cult getting back together. And I remember all of that and, and again, was kind of getting into more of their stuff through that compilation. And then the reunion album, Beyond Good and Evil, bought that and loved it. And again, I mentioned on, gosh, I don't even know what episode it was, but Matt and I were supposed to see the cult open for Aerosmith on the Just Push Play tour in late oh my God. 2001, and they canceled about a half dozen shows, and it, unfortunately it was our uh, our Kemper Arena in Kansas City show got canceled the day of. So Matt drove down from Omaha, and he heard it on the radio. I heard it on the radio. There were no cell phones really yet, so we couldn't talk to each other, and he shows up, and we were I not happy. I bet he was in an awesome mood. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I know Not your brother. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. I mean, we hadn't seen him, right? So this was going to be our first shot at, at seeing him. So anyway, continued acquiring their material in the 2000s and 2010s, which we'll talk a little bit about some of that stuff later. But I have seen them, not including this show. I had seen them three times before, but it was all post-2006. Mm-hmm. time frame probably between 2006 and 2012 again yeah in in clubs as well so that's my uh that's kind of my story but uh yeah i uh dig them that there, there's something unique and we'll talk about kind of their sound a little bit but there's there is something unique about them not only the the vocal but the guitar uh lead melodies that are so infectious with them but so the other two bands on this bill so black rebel motorcycle club anything kevin love this band i, I can't oh. believe you miss seeing them they are so good live As, i've been a fan of this band since i was introduced <laughs> to them when i first joined the swear which is the band i've been in you know since the stone ages um the guitarist at that time he was really into black rebel and he introduced me to brmc as they're known as and i have loved them ever since i think they were on their second album then so i've gotten okay. every, every consecutive album after that the I don't know if you know, the bass player's dad was a singer in the band The Call. Do you remember The Call from the 80s? Yeah, I, I do. I remember the name. Yeah, he, yeah. So his dad was in The Call, and the, he actually, the bass player for BRMC actually played with The Call a little bit as well. His dad passed away, but the dude has an amazing bass tone, and I'm a bass player, so he yeah. plays this open body, distorted, just nasty, gnarly sounding bass, and He's kind of the focal point of the trio. So, yeah, it's it's right in my wheelhouse. So we'll talk a little bit about the, the pre-gaming uh, that I did, but I met met a couple of cool guys in the lot. So I, I missed the beginning of BRMC, as you, as you referred to them as. But I, I did come in, and I probably saw or heard. I didn't even get down into my seat. I kind of hung out in the back, uh, the lawn area, and and got a drink. And, and uh, so I... I heard them and saw them, but I wasn't familiar with them at all. I mean, they they had a decent. I mean, there was a decent crowd while they were on, and and uh, you know, from what I heard, they sounded pretty good. But again, I, I knew nothing about them at all. So you should check them out. I think you might dig them. Okay, okay. And then Zola Jesus. Anything? Yeah, that, that one I had to look <laughs> up. I was not familiar, and once I listened to it, I was, it you know it's kind of gothy synth pop. Yeah, yeah, and what it is. So it didn't yeah. do a lot for me. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see or hear 
anything uh anything from them at all so moving on to the show so like i said and we'll talk about the the lot and the, the pre-gaming but here's something funny that happened as i was walking in so coming in late right there's music playing and the ticket people are there and they're having you take your cell phone stuff out and walk through the metal detectors and all that and this guy i think i was wearing kiss love gun uh album cover shirt and this guy <laughs> this guy says oh man kiss awesome and i said yeah right on man he goes yeah smoking in the boys room what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i go i go dude have another oh, <laughs> man. So I was smoking like, in the oh. boys room I was, you know, I was so excited. I was going to, I was almost going to go in and then kind of circle back around and talk to him about Kiss, but I just, I just carried on. I just, that's, <laughs> isn't that the song? That, isn't that the song that Ace <laughs> sings when his guitar is smoking? I'm pretty sure. That, that, maybe they should do that. That could mix it up a little <laughs> bit. Uh-huh. That's on <laughs> his next Origins album. There you go. There you go. So, oh, yeah, he was, he was not all there. So the cult set list. Started off with Rise, Sun King, Automatic Blues, Sweet Soul Sister, Soul Asylum, Edie, Chow Baby, Give Me Mercy, Wildflower, Firewoman, Revolution, Rain, and closed out the regular set with She Sells Sanctuary. So hold on, hold on. (laughs) Was was this billed as like we're playing Sonic Temple all the way through? Well, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that as we're going to go through the breakdown here from the albums, right? So nothing off of Dreamtime, not surprising. Three songs off of Love, two off of Electric, six off of Sonic Temple, zero off of the '90s album Ceremony and the Cult. 
one song from Beyond Good and Evil, and then zero from Born Into This, Choice of Weapon and Hidden City, and then one off of Under the Midnight Sun, which is to be released October 7th of 2022. So, Kevin, I think they did, I, I think pre-COVID, weren't they doing kind of a Sonic Temple tour? I, I feel like they were, and I missed it. I, I can't remember maybe. why I didn't go. So I'm thinking maybe that's some carryover from them doing the 30th anniversary, right? It might have been 19, I think. Is that When did it come out, 89? I, I was thinking 89, yeah. Yeah, so I think in 19 they might have done some spot shows and doing you know doing that album in its entirety, but I, my guess is they carried it over to... Uh, this tour i don't know if that's from laziness of not wanting to rehearse or are they kind of gearing back up you know they're doing talk a little bit about this this run that they did and then they've got some other dates kind of leading up to this new album coming out so maybe they were just getting back into the swing of things not sure actually though i'm not complaining i i mean soul asylum oh Great. I mean, these are all great songs. I just, at this point, they should be celebrating at least a little bit of ceremony. I mean, it's like, I, no, I know. You know. I, I hear you. I hear you. And Sun King, I had, you know, again, I hadn't seen him. I don't think do either one of those two songs off of, uh, off of Sonic Temple. So I was, I was happy with at least that part. I was going to say, you had to be stoked to hear the opener being Rise. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, the one-two punch of Rise going into Sun King.
was awesome. And, you know, again, Rise coming off of the reunion album. There were there were a lot of people that they think were staring at them like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Which such a, is such a is good sad. album. Oh, my God. Sad. And that's, yeah, that's a whole nother, like I said, I saw him three other times. So who knows, Kevin, maybe you'll be on another episode and we can, because I want to dive into that album. Because I, I, I think it's obviously underrated and I don't think people know how awesome the whole thing is so it'd be fun to dive into that album but yeah i again i love the the one-two punch but like these other quote-unquote legacy acts that have been around for a long time right they they get stuck into well we have to play this we have to play this we have to play this you know versus getting into there were there were what five or six albums that had zero <laughs> songs from them i mean the only again hearing the new song was cool i dig it I'm, I'm looking forward to the to the album but they're really other than six songs from sonic temple there really weren't any surprises in the set yeah greatest hits other than a couple of little gems off of sonic temple i guess exactly exactly so a couple of things uh, that i i noticed was so I, I had really I had a really good seat because it was kind of a last minute, somewhat last minute deal for me. And um, when you're going solo, you can get a good seat sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I was yeah I was in the pavilion in this place, Meadowbrook Music Theater is a amphitheater on Oakland University, so Oakland County, which is one of the three counties of of Detroit uh, metro area, but. It's right on the campus of this of this university, which is interesting, but there's lots of space, lots of space for parking, great atmosphere and all that thing. But anyway, about a 7,700 um, capacity amphitheater. So I think, again, I, I know Atlanta's got a variety of, uh, <laughs> of different amphitheaters, right? And I've talked about two um, in Detroit. So this is a third one that I hadn't uh, hadn't talked about yet. What kind of acts usually go to this one? Is it usually rock or is it something else? No, it's yeah, it's a it's a variety of, of different different stuff. But yeah, not uh, not as many of the rock stuff uh, goes yeah. there. Which we got a, you know. we have a few like that in Atlanta where it's every once in a while like we'll go see Alice Cooper at Chastain, which is where they you have tables and you have cheese and wine. Like it yeah. makes no sense sometimes. But <laughs> how was the crowd? How how many people showed up? Well, yeah, no, it was good. I've got I've got some decent pictures from from kind of far back during the show, just to try to get some 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 shots of it. So again, yeah, the pavilion was uh, was pretty full, and then of course there was a lawn. So I, you know, I would guess, you know, six thousand maybe, which isn't which isn't it's too bad. bad. Yeah, no. not not for not for them, you know, as they've put stuff out, you know, in the two thousands and twenty tens, but. Uh, you know their star is, uh, I'm sure, fading somewhat, right? On, on having casual people necessarily going to the shows. So, they hadn't been in Detroit in a in a bit. So not not too surprised that that people came out. So it was it was good, but they had kind of a new lineup. <laughs> they so, always yeah. do. <laughs> well, they always do, right? And, and yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk about some of these later these later albums and how they had the same lineup for two albums in a row which i don't think the band had ever <laughs> done before that's, but that, that's like them and megadeth that's a record man that's exactly exactly right exactly right so new new bass player grant fitzpatrick and he was solid i mean he you know didn't uh didn't move around a lot 
shaved head. I'm not sure he said anything during it, but he, he had some good backing vocals. Um, so you, you would say bro. he's from the Ian Hill school of bass players? Yeah, exactly. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of movement, but kept the <laughs> kept the rhythm down with with that John Tepestra. Is that how you pronounce his last name? He's been there for a while. And then they had a keyboard guy, which I don't. Those other times that I saw him, I don't know if I remember seeing a a fifth guy out there. So Damon Fox was his name, and he you know he did fine, and he did some backing vocals as well, which was good but honestly i'd prefer another guitar player mm. on stage with you know with as much of those lead melodies that are so important to <laughs> to their yeah. songs but when he's duffy's doing that there's no right nothing the underneath rhythm. there's nothing yeah. underneath it sounds yeah. it sounds empty to me and I, i'm trying to think back i'll have to do some research on those other shows that i saw and Remember if they had a fifth guy, uh, or if they had another guitar player, did they have it when you saw? Him? I I don't remember ever seeing another guitar yeah. player. But you're right. I mean, it's you know he's not Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen can pull that off because he just he was Van Halen. But right, yeah, Duffy, he does so many of those little licks that are kind of like singy. <laughs> right. Yeah, you need something underneath. You do, you do. So that was. Uh, that was missing. That was missing a little bit, but Asbury sounded amazing. Looked good. Was into it. Duffy had a beard. I guess I hadn't seen a Maybe I hadn't seen him in quite a while. But a bearded Duffy, which mm. which was yeah, interesting. And he. <laughs> and so you you saw him in the late uh, late nineties, early two thousands, and then maybe another time. What mid? Maybe mid two thousands. Mid two thousands. Yep. Yep. So. I was, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it because he was in good spirits. But I've I've seen the cult before, and he's he's interesting or was interesting on stage back then because he was always complaining about something, <laughs> a light, you know, to his guitar tech, the monitor, the all this stuff, and that. Kevin, I mean, again, you're a musician, but that drives me up a wall. There's always one of those in every band. You don't realize this. There is one in every band who is going to complain about every little thing not being exactly how they want it. It's ah. like, you are on a different stage than you were last night. Right. It's not going to be the same. But, I, well, I'll, good news is he was in, he looked like he was in a great mood. There was no issues. He just played and, taken his and played well. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I have to do some some background checking on him maybe he was going through a bad time or i don't know it was but it, this poor guitar tech my god at this show from <laughs> <laughs> from 20 years ago or whatever it was brutal and it just mm. i mean it alienates the audience i I'm, I'm not a fan not a fan of that so but he was he was in good spirits which was which was good what else about the show um they sounded so great why but, only one song for the encore do you think well, thank you for bringing that up because they were really, <laughs> they got on stage at 10 to 10, to 10 which was late in, in general. I was expecting them to be on stage at 9.30, but they got on at, uh, at 9.50. And Kevin, I think they were done even before 11. Hmm. So not a lot of talking between songs. They just rolled right through the, I mean, only 13 songs total and 
but that's the i mean the set that they've been doing on this whole run has been this so i don't know <laughs> i'm not sure they i mean could have thrown a little wild-hearted son in there at the end oh huh? well Yeah, yeah, you'll see. I played it in the parking lot just for that reason. Because <laughs> one of the most badass songs that they do, and I, they don't yeah. play it. They don't. I don't know when the last time they played it. They what? have something against Ceremony. I don't know what it is. Either, <sighs> but they have something against that album. I think it's good. I mean, it's got a couple of clunkers on it, but it, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so the other thing was, Ian was was really getting after people that were on their phones. Right. <laughs> taking pictures, you know, vid- filming, and even to the point of after Edie. And that solo is great, very melodic and, you know, has some different uh, pieces to it. But after that song, he absolutely ripped these couple people in the second or third row that were having a conversation during <laughs> during Duffy's solo. He's like, did do you realize what you just missed <laughs> because you were having a conversation? So that was I mean, on one hand, I agree with him, you yeah, know, but, but but again, I don't know if you want to call out. I, i'm sure you want to call people out i'm gonna call that grumpy old man syndrome i mean yes. that's like get over it man just do your show and 
just do it. You know, just don't, do it. Don't yeah. don't pay attention to people. You don't let things distract you. No, right. Just do your show. Right. Kick them in the teeth. Exactly. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. But no, I was I was certainly not uh, not disappointed that I pulled the trigger and went and it yeah it was it was great it was it was cool to see them again and and the new song was cool and looking forward to the the new album coming out here in a couple months so that new album cover is very different for them very different yes i don't i don't know if that's a telltale sign or not (laughs) i don't know what we're getting yeah (laughs) what's gonna be on it yeah but yeah yeah that song that i mean the new song had uh had colt written all over it to me just uh again had that uh, signature lead melody in there that uh that always seems to be in there so all in all it was a good show i don't think this run or even the next run is going anywhere near you no it's not it's not right yeah they would have been perfect for robert and i are having goth timber i don't know if you've heard about this but we're (laughs) we're supposed to see all these goth bands in september and i'm like oh let the cult come through that'd be perfect that would be that would be perfect and i just found out the one of those bands is the mission uk and i just found out that they Ah. have pulled out they have postponed until 23 (sighs) a little upset about that that's yeah that's that's too bad that's too bad so Kevin, I've got a new segment okay. that I'm going to unveil on on this episode. It's not very long, but I was thinking, you know, I'm talking about all these shows, talking about all these bands. Sometimes it's in shows from the past and sometimes it's shows right now. But I thought, you know, I should talk about is this are these bands touring right now? You know, I mean obviously the, this the, the Colt was touring cuz I I just saw it, but when I'm talking about older shows, I think I'm going to talk about what they're doing now. So, I like that. I like that. That's cool. So, yeah. yeah. So, new segment, concert calendar. I've seen a million faces and I've rocked them all. For the bands on the bill is what I'm going to call it. So, the Colt just finished the We Own the Night leg of this kind of summer tour on July 30th in Orilla, Ontario in Canada. So, three shows after my show and this run was was done. It started in St. Paul on July 8th of 2022. So 15 shows was what that was. So the next leg of this North American tour, aptly titled the Under the Midnight Sun tour, which is the album title. But again, this run is happening basically a month before the album comes out, which I guess I don't fully understand the timing on that at all you're promoting so, an album wait till it's out <laughs> so it at the merch table i know doesn't make any sense so this is starting on september 15th 2022 in vancouver british columbia and we'll hit alberta saskatchewan and manitoba before returning to the u.s and they're hitting wisconsin iowa nebraska which my brother's actually going to the omaha show uh missouri louisiana texas california and then it's ending in Costa Mushiers, I think is how it's pronounced, in Mexico on October 27th of 22. So another 14 shows. So very large chunk of the U.S. they have left out there. They have. They have. So if any of those states are where you're at, check them out and support live music. Right, Kevin? Absolutely. Support live music. 
Go to the show. Don't just talk about it. Don't look at it on YouTube. Go see it. Absolutely. Experience it. Experience it in, in the flesh. Hold your phone in front of your face for hours. <laughs> and watch yeah. it through your little screen. Yeah. If you want, if you want to get Ian's attention, hold your phone up <laughs> like you're filming it and he, he may he may single you out. Maybe. Make sure that flash is on so he can see it. <laughs> yeah. They'll love that. They'll love that for sure. <laughs> So now on to the band on the Bill Spotlight. So with the guest I have on this week, we sure as hell are not going to be talking about their mainstream. <laughs> We're going to do all their greatest hits albums. <laughs> yeah, that high octane compilation that Kevin and I purchased first. Both of us were going to talk about all those songs. No, 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 we're not. So we are going to cover the Colts material in the 2000s and 2010s, but minus Beyond Good and Evil which was the reunion album from 2001. So we're going to talk about Born Into This, Choice of Weapon and Hidden City. Plus, they didn't touch any of these albums during the set. <laughs> so even more reason to talk about some of these albums and, and uh, you know, maybe maybe get some people to, to check that stuff out and not just focus on the the hit so we're gonna we're gonna kind of give our highlights and lowlights of these of these albums and then at the end we are going to rank these three albums so let's start with born into this released on october 1st 2007 produced by youth i don't know who that is but that's who it's a young it's guy produced. yeah it, it makes sense very creative very creative name right charted at number 70 so again beyond good and evil was released in 2001 and this thing came out six years later and included obviously ian asbury billy duffy chris wise on bass which i believe he was on beyond good and evil as well yeah right? and the next one right? I believe too and yeah, the next one the yeah next one. my john, favorite bass player nice john yeah. tempest on on drums so kevin do you have history with this with this album? Well, think about when it came out. <laughs> so 2007. So I did not rush right out and buy it. I, I think I listened to the samples. I was in my band, The Swear. And so we would just sort of listen to each other's stuff on the way to gigs. And the guitarist, Jeremy, had this. So I just listened to his version of it once or twice. And, and I never really paid much attention to it until... Yeah more recently so and and i'm kind of kicking myself because i could have lived with this album for a little while longer than i have <laughs> yeah. i actually i dig the rawness of this thing i think it sounds like a band in a room cutting a record yeah ab absolutely and mentioning the producer youth whoever that is the next two albums we're going to talk about are produced by bob rock so a <laughs> little bit of a very little bit of a yeah. different right yeah <laughs> So, this is their garage album, right? There you go. There you go. But yeah, I uh, I bought I bought this right away. Again, loving Beyond Good and Evil as much as uh, I did. I I uh, grabbed this, and I, I think there were some samples, like you said, some stuff came out on the on the internet first. I think Dirty Little Rockstar might have, might have mm -hmm. come out, uh, and maybe even the title cut as well. But uh, so highlights, lowlights, if there are any, Kevin. You want me to do lowlights first? Sure. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna set the tone. So I said it's this is a a, a rawer sounding album, and youth. 
I don't know if he had anything to do with U2, but I hear a lot of, in certain bits of these songs, I hear a lot of U2 references to that time frame of 2007. That might be way off from where you're thinking, but that's, no, that's, that's what a I was great, in my head. Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, that's a great comparison, I think. Now, saying that, that also means that the approach to the guitar is not really everything that Billy always does. So there is a little bit of a lack of some of those big Billy riffs on this album. I don't think the Billy riffs don't really come out until the second half of the album for me. So my lowlights are actually on the first part of the album. So Mm -hmm. the lowlight for me, if I had to pick two, I would say Citizens, the second song, and only because it just doesn't have the big Billy riff. It's not a bad song. It's just not very cultish. And it actually reminds me of King's X, and I love King's X, but <laughs> Colt's not King's X. <laughs> and the other one I would throw out would be Holy Mountain. That is pure U2 territory to me. It's kind of a skip for me. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, low light wise, but well, I'm with you. I mean, the the whole album, eh, not the whole album, but the majority of the album I'm, I'm a fan of. So there, there are a couple of songs that uh, don't really do much for me. The first one uh, was track three, Diamonds. Great bass during the intro. And again, that really defines the song as I'm talking to a bass player on the other. That's why I couldn't throw that one in there. <laughs> well, it's not very culty, but it's, it's not very culty. Yeah, but that the bass stuff is just drives the whole song. And the, the other piece that, that I like, the outro, Kind of the backing vocals on the She's Got Diamonds uh, part is mm-hmm. cool, but the rest of the song just didn't do too much for me. Yeah, I, I wrote down Glam Cult. It's like Glam Oh, Cult. there you go. <laughs> it's a little dancing. <laughs> there, there you go. And then this is going to be maybe surprising, but because I think this might have been one of the songs that they, they put out online first, and I know they were playing it live because uh, they played it when I saw them shortly after this album came out, but I Assassin. I, I like the riff. I like the tone. Lots of space in there, but I don't. There's there's just something about it that didn't. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't even really explain it. Um, see, see, this is where we differ. Me. This is where we differ because that's one of my highlights. I love I Assassin. I think this is the first part in the record to me where it's like, okay, we got a big Billy riff that yeah. we haven't had in the other songs. So I like that one. It kind of kicks you in the teeth, but. I will say it still channels U2 in the chorus, so it kind of drifts that way in, in the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I didn't. I wanted to hear your other, uh, your other low light before interjecting. But Citizens is one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, so isn't that funny? <laughs> that is funny. Oh, so I, it, yeah. I like it. I actually like the song. I was I like, eh, it's just not very cult. It's but, not very cultish. Yeah, it's got that uh, kind of that arpeggiated chord mm-hmm. intro that's, that's where um, i was getting the king's x vibe yeah yeah and again it, the outro chorus the lead fills in there are great and that that lead soloing and drumming kind of during that outro I, I thought was really good but they should have used some of that during the rest of the song i i, I think instead of just leaving it for the the end but the bass really popped i thought in that uh in that song during the during the chorus as well 
So in addition to citizens, you know, it's it, it's it, my second one's a little tough to trying to figure out which one I would I would do. I like the title cut. I like illuminated as well. Um, the, the, again, bass. I have no bass is popping uh, during illuminated. Uh, that shine on illuminated uh, underlying riff is is really cool. But I wanted to just comment on dirty little rock star. So a cool song, but that riff is a total lift from Undercover of the Night by the Rolling Stones. And I will drop that in here just as a comparison. You know, I, I, on one hand, I'm thinking, you know, maybe not as big of a deal as it would have been if this was 1987 right. <laughs> and they throw this riff out. But, oh, my God, that that main riff of that song is just a complete rip off. And I don't know if they want to call it a rip off or is it a nod to it or but it's it's really close. <laughs> my note, my note on Dirty Little Rockstar just says should be a strip club classic. <laughs> you know what's interesting too i think on the album track listing i think it just says dirt huh. which is weird I, but you know versus i mean dirt a little rock star is the chorus but i think on the like the actual album track listing i think it just says dirt <laughs> which is funny weird. but anyway so other highlight for you kevin or highlights i guess for you so even though i said i'm i'm I like it when the cult play the cult. I do like their version of Mongolian throat metal that starts off Savages. So I, I'm going to go with Savages as my other highlight here. It's got that beyond good and evil feel to me. And then it's got a cool acoustic breakdown and the riffage, the megaphone, you know, you get a little, that Ian tambourine in there. So yeah. I wonder, I, I wonder if that wasn't a holdover. I mean, it's six years later, but <laughs> It, it sounds like it could be on that album. I, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. But yeah, I mean, over overall, I think that, yeah, very interesting, very raw, like you, like you said, garage cult type of type of album, which was, sleazy. which was interesting. Sleazy. Sounds sleazy. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on to, oh, real quick on... You know, all the streaming and stuff that you can do now. There's bonus tracks, right, that get thrown on these things. So there's an there's a song called Stand Alone that, again, there's only 10 songs on this album to begin with. I, I would have included this just on the regular album. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard <laughs> I'm it. Sh- but... I'm not sure what the, what the story is with some of these bonus tracks. I mean, I know some of them get on you know japanese versions and all these different things but in this day and age i I guess i'm not sure why they why they do the bonus type tracks for those but anyway and then i saw this tour or saw them supporting this album and they played four songs from this album on that tour which was pretty cool actually um title cut uh dirty little rock star 
I Assassin, and I think Savages, Kevin. I think your Savages See? was in See? there. Yeah. See, <laughs> I know how to pick them. <laughs> you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so moving on to the next album. So this is so we're in the 2010s now. So Choice of Weapon, released May 18th, 2012, produced by Chris Goss and Bob Rock charted at number 36 which is interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> 2012 and a cult album is charting at number 36 so anyway same lineup from the previous album and as i mentioned this was the first time in their career they had the same lineup on consecutive <laughs> albums which is interesting and i would say it paid off because to me this is the best of the three that we're talking about today this is an amazing album this is one that i picked up right away oh nice nice yeah so yeah by this point i guess i don't know if i i picked it up in the actual physical copy maybe later i may have been you know may have streamed it initially and, and that type of thing but uh so what do you think album wise you want to give me some low lights if there are any <laughs> yeah i mean it's weird that you know i have this throughout cult history with me it's it's like the second half the album's always a little bit better for me but this one's a little bit different but they definitely the starting song to me so honey from a knife i mean this whole album is kind of like their drug album in a way a lot of references to drugs in this thing and the whole drug chant and in honey from a knife it just for their age of these guys like it just doesn't work for me so I don't care for Honey from a Knife at all. Kevin, we are on the same page. This is almost a perfect album. Even that song, I love the verses, the She's Got Me Running. It's got moments, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, all of that, I think, is great. And then that We Got the Drugs, Drugs Can Heal. Uh, it, I don't even know what it's for. I don't know what that part is even for. It doesn't need to be in the song. It's, it, to me, it's them chasing what some other younger band are doing. And I'm sorry, it just doesn't work for these goth guys from the 80s. It just doesn't I, work. I agree. I agree completely. So that, yeah, that that is my, really, that's my only low light on the whole album. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I don't like the way they start this album, and I don't like the way they end it. Ah. I, think, I think the dark, loungy, chill vibe at the end is okay, but I just kind of tune out. It becomes yeah. background music for me. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Everything else? Yes. So yeah, there are some interesting. Um, I'll, I'll give my uh, I'll give my couple favorites, but some interesting things that I picked out. Just again, kind of really, really proactively listening to this, you know, before this before this episode. But the, so the song, the wolf. Mm. So that riff, that lead melody in there is Foo Fighters times like these. <laughs> Off of 2002's One by One album, which isn't a bad thing, but man, oh man! But I love that song. It's awesome. it is so it, cult. That is such a cult song, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, life uh, greater than death. Uh, here's my note. Yo, is this a word, Kevin? I said gothy feel. I, I said goth <laughs> Americana. Nice, nice. So gothy yeah. feel that lead melody in the piano, just a cool vibe. Exactly in, in what general. I wrote. Goth <laughs> Americana vibe. So yeah, awesome. I think we're on the same page. We are for the animals. That was, I think, a song that they may have released online uh, before the album came out. But uh, love the uh, like in the pre-chorus and even the chorus. They've got that underlying 
Christine 16 uh, piano. It's the same note I wrote. Christine 16 in the song. I love it. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, no, uh, great. I'm going to read my exact note that I wrote. Christine 16 piano eighth notes on the verse and chorus. Billy has a gnarly wah-wah lead. Super oh, cult. yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, awesome cult song. What else? Is there anything else in here that I... Oh, a pale horse. I, I kind of said... It gave me a Doors feel, actually, with the kind of the Jim Morrison delivery, mm-hmm. which I know he was obviously involved in the Doors and, and, and touring with them and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, like you said, just an awesome album. And, I, yeah, I let the cat out of the bag. This is my favorite yeah, <laughs> out of these is, three. It just the is. Best. It is just so good. So it I wrote is. down for A Pale Horse instead of Doors. I wrote Colt Blues. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. So favorites, Kevin. So for me, it's the wolf and four yeah. animals. Those are my two. Yeah. 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 Great. And again, doesn't it just pain you that they're not playing any of these? Uh, play one song from. Well, the wolf. <laughs> the wolf song. to me is. I know it. I know the riff is a little borrowed, but it's such a classic sounding cult song. Like, oh yeah. She's oh, some yeah. sanctuary. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I would maybe say. Actually, the uh, the song Lucifer was pretty cool too. Kind of had a synthy, yeah, yeah, very dark uh, lyrics. (laughs) You are my Lucifer. Yeah, you're a slayer. You know, yeah, dark, (laughs) dark stuff. I wrote very dark, but it has a Hendrixy riffing in the chorus. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had wah wah in my in my notes as well. Do you know who Chris Goss is? So he was the other producer on this. I want to say he lives in Nashville. I think he's a Nashville guy. Okay. Okay. His name sounded, I didn't look yeah. him up, but I, his I, name sounded. I'm pretty sure he's me. done a ton of stuff, but I think he's a Nashville cat. Because okay. we, when we were looking, we, the swear, were looking to get a, a name producer for our last album. I want to say his name came up because he was local to where Elizabeth lived. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but we could cool. not afford him, I believe. <laughs> that's the other. That's the other piece, right? You, you, yeah. you find them, you then got to be able to afford them. Yeah, if you can get on their <laughs> schedule, that's one thing. If they want to work with you, that's the other. And then the biggest thing is, uh, yeah, how much is it going to cost? Yeah, yeah. So, so another thing with this album. So there were. And I remember hearing some of these other songs that didn't make the album and they were quote unquote bonus tracks. So Every Man and Woman is a Star, I think was a song that they released online, but then it didn't get on the regular album and a song called Embers, which two very, very cool songs that again, would just put this at 12 songs, which is still good in my book as my, my listeners know I hate long albums, but, <laughs> but uh, two more songs wouldn't be bad. So, Kevin, there's I think there's four bonus tracks like on the streaming services, but those two, I think, would uh, would fit in nicely. On what's this, a, uh, what's the streaming service you talk about? What is that? Oh, these streaming services. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Stay yeah. away from those. You stay away from those. <laughs> it's 2022, Kevin. Come on. Fractions of a pin, fractions of a pin to the artist. That's all <laughs> no, I'm gonna say. No, I hear you. I hear you. It's just con- it's convenience, but yeah, on the back end, like I said, it, you know, I, I I do purchase I do purchase physical uh, physical product, but in some instances, I'm I'm listening to 
to streaming stuff from time I'm to not time. being holier than that. I'm just messing with you, man. I know you are. I know <laughs> you are. All right, next up. So Hidden City, so just four years later, released February 5th, 2016. And this was solely produced by Bob Rock. Charted at 153, so not even close to the 36 that the previous album made it to. So what are your... Uh, I agree with the chart position. That's what it is. I agree with the chart (laughs) position. It's all right. It's just all right. It's got some good stuff on it. It's got some stuff I don't care for as much. It's not as as culty as... Here's the thing. The the riff, again, the big Billy Duffy riff, that's what he's known for playing. It's absent in a lot of these songs. Yeah. Yep, it is. It is. And the, the lineup. So again, Ian, Billy, John, but then Chris Cheney, from Jane's Addiction and Bob Rock played bass on I think three songs. So you no, know, he was in Metallica at one point. He was. <laughs> he was the bass player. Really. He was yeah. the bass player, yes. That album is amazing. No! No! <laughs> so what uh what would be your your low, low, low lights on here. Again, with the opening song, it just doesn't hit me the right way. It doesn't blow me away. It's not an opener. It's got a shuffle beat. I'm talking about dark energy. It's got a pretty cool gothy chorus, and it's got more piano than guitar. So it just, it doesn't doesn't do it for me. Yeah, gotcha. The other one I would say is kind of a, a low light for me is track 10, which is called Lilies. And to me, it's kind of a European ballady, jangly guitar. I just hit next. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So between Lilies and Sound of Fury, which was the mm. last song on the album, that last song, I, again, the performances are good. And again, it kind of had a jazzy, mm. I think, a jazzy vibe to it and lower register. Yeah, Ian on his vocal. I don't, that just didn't do anything. Here, here's what I wrote for Sound and Fury, and this may strike a chord with you. So I wrote loungy Lou Reed, perfect day from tra- from train spotting. It's kind of the oh, vibe that I get. Oh, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Which and, is not cult. Right. Right. And the other one is goat. It's definitely not the goat. <laughs> really? I, not, see, that's a highlight for me. I think it I, has a killer riff. Yeah, I, it just, for whatever reason, didn't uh, didn't do anything for me. And then Birds of Paradise was the, was the kind of the third one that didn't uh, yeah, do mid-tempo, anything. Mid-tempo, blah. That's, yeah. And I, you know, I said the lead melody has almost an ABBA feel. <laughs> yes, Kevin, I said yeah. ABBA feel. Yeah. And I, I specifically, <laughs> the songs I Have a Dream or Winter Takes It All. And you're probably like, how do you know that much about abba thems are fighting I, words <laughs> so my sister my sister used to torture me with abba albums when i was oh well that's, that's bad memories that's why yes there you go there you go you should that you should that sound of music <laughs> <laughs> well i think you were was that on your soundtrack episode were you were you ripping on greece and xanadu also? oh yes yes of course we were just because you were being tortured or I was being tortured like by my albums. sister. <laughs> well, no, I, so here's the funny thing. So my sister used to torture me with the Olivia Newton, John rest in peace. And uh, yeah. So Greece, I, I just can't do because I was tortured with that sound of music was the other one. Now Xanadu 
you know, the sign with ELO on it, I'm cool with that. So, you know, I, I actually own, I stole her copy of Xanadu. I actually have that in my collection. So. Did you? Yeah. 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 yeah those, uh, those ELO songs on there are pretty, pretty cool. Actually pretty good. Chris L yeah. from Pot of Thunder loves them. Oh, he, he's a huge fan yeah. of them. Yeah. Especially so that we, double album. Um, oh, yeah. We, <laughs> which, out of the blue. Do your Jeff Lynn episode. <laughs> you sure to invite him on, okay? Yeah. He, he'll, uh, he'd be a great guest for an ELO episode, though, really. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So highlights on this album. Yeah, so I, I said goat. I actually dig that song. Okay. I like, yeah. I like the slide guitar in it. I know it's a little off kilter for them, but I, something about it I like. And the other one is Avalanche of Light. Because to me, Ab- that's the first old school sounding song on the album. It sounds yes. like Green Time or Love. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Avalanche of Light is one of my uh, just a fantastic song, upbeat riff, Paul Muting. Yeah, great uh, underlying riff during the core. Yeah, just love, love, love that song. And I think I'd say uh, Hinterland, actually. Again, bass intro into driving riff. Again, love the underlying riff <laughs> during the chorus, the tone on there. I thought that oh was my God. very cool. We're so, <laughs> so my notes here, Hinterland, cool bass and guitar tones, heavier and still rocks the Billy riff. So. There you go. There you go. Yeah, good stuff. That whole you know, destroy I, the destroyer part of that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No love lost. I I had a note. I just I just bolded a couple of things here. Um, underlying riff during the chorus sounds like "Take the Power" from Beyond Good and Evil, which uh, mm. is a great great song. What What did you think of "Dance the Night"? What's your note? Because that note- was kind of a melodic, you know, kind of a so my note here is this is their ode to Bowie. This is very David Bowie, 70s glam, their version of it. And I said it has a little bit of a 90s edge from U2 vibe in the verse as well. Yeah. Okay. Very Mick yeah. Ronson sounding. It doesn't sound like Billy, but it, it definitely, it's not bad. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Real, yeah. Real glammy. I, yeah. Yeah. Very melodic. Yeah. Is what, uh, is what I had in there. I want to go back to no love lost and what did you compare that to take the power okay from okay. beyond good and evil but that was that was the chorus right yes so yep. i said you're gonna love this i said the beginning of this has a <laughs> verb pipe freshman vibe to it oh interesting well yeah because i was just saying you know cool arpeggiated chords into the kind of into the verse i need to go back in here because if you're hearing the verb pipe i'm sure I'm sure it's there. Little little Michigan band for you. <laughs> little Michigan, little real close to me. East Lansing, I think, is where they're where they originated. So Michigan State. Um, yeah, absolutely. Deeply ordered chaos. I, I think I compared that to Queensryche. Some yeah, trying to think if that was just the yeah, the, again, real <laughs> groovy. So I call it, anyway. I called that one the Colts cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> oh good and then heathens this was the last this synth kind of a almost a synthy uh riff and i i I was comparing them comparing it to collective soul actually Hmm. and uh what what else this is funny chorus underlying riff reminds me of the chorus riff to back on the road again ario speedwagon (laughs) 
That, I would love to hear that. I that, need to hear the Colt cover that. Oh yeah, just <laughs> during the yeah during the chorus. There's yeah, there's just that uh, that riff during that chorus of Ario. Funny stuff. So I wrote Stonesy Reverb lead at the end. Oh, there you go. Nice, nice. Well, so we already gave away our our faves out of these three, and I think I think people can probably figure out <laughs> probably what not. our what our least fave is so not uh not a lot of suspense here but i think i think we're on the same page so i think we'd say number three is hidden city Mm -hmm. two is born into this and one is choice of weapon we have a winner we have a winner (laughs) very cool but yeah i mean anyone out there that's a cult fan or even if you're not a cult fan i mean these three albums i mean they're worth checking out definitely worth checking out Absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Even the ones that we don't like as much still has some really good songs on it. And it's, I mean, hell, it's the cult. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So now on to the Slam Fest tip of the week. So for this, you know, I, again, I always try to do some sort of a theme. So for the drive, it's a combination of, I found a list of Ian Asbury's favorite albums. And then I found a list of some of Billy Duffy's favorite early concert (laughs) memories, and I kind of melded it together. So the songs I listened to on the drive over, The Endless Sea, Iggy Pop, Funky But Chic, David Johansson, The Secret Life of Arabia, David Bowie, Hong Kong Garden, Susie and the Banshees, New Dawn Fades, Joy Division, Chinese Rocks, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, Privilege, Set Me Free, Patty Smith Group, Remembering Part One, Then Lizzie, 515, The Who, Wild Child, The Doors, Goodbye to Jane, Slade, To Never Know You, The Black Rider, Raw Power, Iggy and the Stooges, Cold to the Touch, The Brian Jonestown Massacre, Looking for a Kiss, New York Dolls, King Knight, Salem, Now I'm Here, Queen, and closed out with Overdose by ACDC. Any uh, any thoughts? I think you talked about Sushi and the Banshees a few weeks ago, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, so a goth, just a <laughs> goddess, a goth goddess. A couple of these stood out to me, though. Um so number 12 that you played the black rider you played shoegaze did you know you were oh sh- i know you know what i i didn't it's a shoegaze but, band i was surprised to see that one and that then was, the other one is you played some edm salem yes i think that stuff yeah i think that stuff was right out of ian asbury's uh albums huh. and some of them kevin in the article he kind of 
cherry picked some songs and you know i sometimes went directly to those songs and other times i just kind of randomly picked something off of the album to kind of throw on there so yeah it was cool it was cool to uh some of the stuff i didn't know even know but that's you know again that's part of the that's part of the fun for sure songs i listened to in the lot young lust aerosmith alive and kicking mr big coming of age damn yankees the truth slashes snake pit for her light fields of nephilim get up get angry the buzz same jane kicks show on the road heaven play in the outlaw crocus don't want to lose ynt loves a bitch torah torah strength the alarm dreams in the dark badlands electric gypsy la guns swamp thing the chameleons down on me jackal pictures of you the cure fatal charm billy idol Gypsy Road, Cinderella, Never Let Me Down Again, Depeche Mode, Gothic Eyes, The 69 Eyes, Ball Breaker, ACDC, Sleeping My Day Away, DAD, Fly Me Courageous, Driving and Crying, Big Goodbye, Great White, Taking Me Down, Hardline, Wild Hearted Son, The Cult, and closed out the main pregame with Sideways from Stone Trip. With regards to what I played in the lot, so my very special guest Kevin was involved in this, even if he didn't know it. Oh, I it knew was... it. <laughs> my, well, my, my phone was blowing up. <laughs> that's true. You're right. You're <laughs> right. And as the as the drinks kept flowing, it was even more yeah more alcohol induced as I was <laughs> as I was texting you. I went back into the in obscuria history of of some of their shows, and everything turns gray. Goth rock. Mm-hmm. So I pulled what did I pull? Three songs, I think, off of that series. I think two of them were from the first one. For her light fields of how's that Nephilim? Is that how I think that's it's, pronounced? I think it's Nephilim. Nephilim. I, I could be wrong. Okay, and then the the chameleons, which that that swamp thing, awesome, awesome song. One. By the way, I mentioned that Mission UK have rescheduled. The opening band was the chameleons. Of that oh show. wow! Oh so wow! I don't know oh. if that's going to happen or not, but yeah, oh, that no. amazing. Yeah, and then I I threw on the sixty nine eyes, gothic eyes, um, song, and then in the midst of all of that, also I asked Kevin just to give me a, a song, and he gave me a band. Side trip, stone and, trip, stone trip, or oh, stone trip. Whoops, stone trip. And I played the song sideways. Yep, band from Melbourne, Australia, and uh, very cool, killer, killer hard rock band. So that's how I ended my my traditional set of of pre gaming. And as I mentioned earlier, I met a couple guys that had parked next to me. And, I mean, Kevin, this actually this. This pregame was something else because I was getting all kinds of <laughs> nods from people walking by, fist bumps. I mean, it was hilarious. And you're so, just standing outside your car? Or are you in Yeah, your... I got my, my tailgate up and okay. I've got my Marshall Bluetooth speaker, the big one. 
just blaring this stuff. And <laughs> so this guy, Conrad, and I don't know his friend, I don't know his friend's name. I didn't, I didn't catch it. But when I played Dreams in the Dark, my Badlands, he actually came over and he's like, dude, your playlist is awesome. And I said, well, I'm just playing. I'm just picking shit. <laughs> this isn't a playlist. I'm just picking stuff. And a guy walked by during Electric Gypsy by LA Guns. He's like, I haven't heard this in a long time and fist bump and i mean it was <laughs> it was an absolute riot pictures of you the cure i i got a, a guy walking by with his girlfriend he's just like oh yeah yeah i mean it was yeah. it was cool it was cool stuff ball breaker acdc conrad's yelling over to me thanks for playing this i mean it was just it was <laughs> it was a, an absolute riot and then fly me courageous driving and crying aren't they from georgia they are. They're from Atlanta. Yep. Robert and I were just talking about them the other day. It was like uh, everybody that had a band around the early '90s. You always had to have a driving and crying song in your set. Yeah, it was yeah. just it was just something everybody did around here. So yeah, Flying so, Courageous was a big one. So that was a request from Conrad. So I anyway, it was a blast. And then these guys started asking me. They're like, "So, do you listen to like new stuff?" at all and i said well yeah he's like well give me give me give me some bands or play some stuff and so actually i think his buddy looked up an article and said like you know new wave of classic rock and started reading off all these bands so that's this additional piece where i started playing dirty honey goodbye june dorothy tyler bryant and the shakedown rival sons stuff and now have you have you seen all of these bands that you played no, well, so Dirty Honey and Rival Sons. I'm going to see Dorothy coming up here in September. They're opening for Dirty Honey. But yeah, the other ones I had not, no. Yeah, I like Goodbye June. I'll, I haven't really listened to Tyler Bryant. Um, yeah. I love Rival Sons. I love that. Band. Yeah, great stuff. So actually, by doing that, I earned a shot of tequila from these guys. Which there you was, go. <laughs> Which that's was all you fun. needed. Yeah, that's all I needed, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's all I needed to then walk in and have someone tell me that uh, "Smoking in the Boys' Room" was a Kiss song. So, <sighs> at least but you didn't agree with them. Blast. That's right. Yeah, I wouldn't have been funny. That song rocks. I You're know, right. man. <laughs> so anyway, classic. Uh, yeah, classic pregame. It was fun playing a bunch of uh, playing a bunch of this stuff and and beautiful night. Can't beat it can't beat it so now to close this episode out with a which side are you on so since i didn't see any of those other bands kevin we're not gonna <laughs> not gonna do any of those other bands albums but we're gonna go back and do something more mainstream from the cult so we're going to cover the Love album, released October 18th, 1985, produced by Steve Brown, certified gold in the U.S. I know you're very familiar with this album. Mm, I love this album. <laughs> this is this is my second favorite, if not, it's time for first, really. My, okay. My time for you. first cult album. Electric in this one, just pure gold. Love them. So highlights of side one. Side one, I mean, you cannot go wrong with the song Love. You cannot go wrong with Brother Wolf, Sister Moon. It's such a great ballad. And then the one that they always play live, Rain. 
just such a good song. It is. It is. And it's got, uh, I mean, that's got, everyone talks about Sanctuary, but that lead melody in Rain, (laughs) forget about it. And I'll throw Nirvana in their awesome album opener. Mm-hmm. And again, great lead melody. But I'll, I'll say this. There's the chorus. Every day is Nirvana. Always this way. Either the note choices that he's making or the tone of his voice. Mm-hmm. There's something there that I don't love. And I don't know if it's, you know, if it would have worked better if they would have double tracked his vocal there. Or so, there's, <laughs> there's something I well, love let's, the song, but yeah. ugh, there's something Let, missing. Let's talk about his voice because his voice sounds different on this album than any other album. It's almost like the the timbre of it is completely in a, a different range or something. It's, his voice seems higher. And it I think does. it's just the way they recorded it, plus his age. Obviously, he's gotten lower as he's, he's gotten older, but yeah, I it's it's kind of interesting to listen to. Um, to hear the songs live, they sound way different than they do on the album because of that way that they recorded his voice yes yes and i mean the rest of the songs on that side except you know big neon glitter it's it's okay it's okay that would be my only kind of thing that doesn't jump out at me but the (laughs) the title cut uh and like you said brother uh wolf sister moon just such a cool dark cool uh, vibe to that song yeah awesome awesome stuff that is such a cult title for a song too (laughs) brother it wolf is. sister moon i mean come on it is it is well and i i made a note here uh maybe yeah maybe for both you and robert but i thought the guitar solo had a pink floyd feel to it during See, that that's why it's amazing <laughs> great 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 song so moving on to side two what are your thoughts there's not a bad song on it <laughs> the only thing my only gripe is the very last song and I just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Think about this. What if they would have moved Rain to close oh. the album out? Oh side God. two would have been the best side of an album you've ever heard. We wouldn't be talking about this in this segment because <laughs> <laughs> it would be a no-brainer of which side would win. I agree. Um, yeah, Hollow Man, Revolution. I mean, she sells Sanctuary. What else needs to be said about that? That's actually what my wife, Holly, that's one of her favorite songs of all time (laughs) is is that song i would have put the phoenix as the opener for this album i mean that would have really kicked off this album i like nirvana as the opener too but i think the phoenix would have been almost a better opener interesting interesting and how about the lyric in that song where he he says he uses pyre (laughs) a couple times maybe that's his his chance to use pyre uh, in a in a song for for the lyrics, it's uh, very gothy. Love, very it's very gothy. Yeah. You got to use the word pyre. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and revolution is interesting because even though it's mid tempo, it comes across live. I think great. You know that just the the it's, vibe of it and the, it's a rally it, song. You know it is. You got to sing is. with it. And then yeah, I agree with you. The last song, I think. I mean, if we're comparing kind of the ballads from side one to side two. Obviously, I think Brother Wolf Sister Moon is better than Black Angel Agreed. on, on yeah. side two. So which one are you going to go with? I, I, you, 
<laughs> I got to go with side two. You just can't beat side two. I mean, Black Angel is the only thing that just brings it down a little bit. But my God, She Sells Sanctuary. I know these are songs that everybody knows, but Revolution and She Sells Sanctuary, it does not get any better than that. You know, the way I was looking at this one, because this was this was hard and I like the way it was divided up because it made it a little a little bit tricky. But I would say Sanctuary and Rain cancel each other out. And I would say, I would say the title cut and revolution mm, maybe close. cancel each other out. So then, you know, with, with the balance, I'm actually going with side one. Just mm. again, because Brother Wolf, Sister Moon, I think beats uh, the last song. And I think, uh, I think Nirvana, I like, I like Nirvana, even though that tone of his voice kind of is a little weird um, for me. But I'm going to go yeah. with side one over side two. I think the Phoenix and Hollow Man kill the first two songs. There you go. All right. Very good. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your uh, your love for some of these later, you know, not not mainstream cult albums. Hopefully we turn some people on to it because it's uh, it's good stuff. I agree. Sure. And the the cult in general, man, I mean they're you're a band that people should champion more. I know people Absolutely. know who they are, but they're not they're not at the level that I think they should be. Agreed. Agreed. And I, yeah, unfortunately, I think they they kind of got the top of the mountain on Sonic Temple and then like you said, I mean that, you know, Ceremony's a good record, but it just didn't didn't work for them. <laughs> didn't get any push or or whatever. So and then they so, hooked up with Rick Rubin, and we don't want to talk about that one. And we don't want to talk about that. That's right. That's right. So in Obscuria, Kevin, where can people find you, and when do you come out? Yep. Every Friday, we put a new episode out, and you never know what you're going to get. So we do rock and punk and metal, and we cover all sorts of topics, but everything revolves around the lost, the forgotten, or the should have been. So it's all about bands that you may have heard of but maybe you don't know the songs we're going to play or it could just be some very obscure band or genre that we're going to cover so we're all over the board sometimes there'll be uh, an episode that you know maybe it's not for you check it out next week it probably will be yeah every friday absolutely. we come out everywhere that you can get your podcast and then in obscuria.com all those places yep i've discovered a ton of stuff by listening to you guys so I, awesome. I i love i love your podcast so thanks again kevin for coming Thank on you. appreciate it absolutely i'll come talk cult with you anytime did anyone see the cult on the we own the night tour with special guests black rebel motorcycle club and zola jesus if so when and where and what were your thoughts memories or stories from that show what are your thoughts on the cult's three most recent studio releases born into this choice of weapon and Hidden City, and how would you rank these three albums? And last but not least, what are your thoughts on the Colts sophomore studio album, Love, from 1985, Side 1, or Side 2? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com or request to join our private Facebook page at Slamfest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.